It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Red Sox fans, of course, Red Sox beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox. Don't forget the new Twitter handle, at Red Sox CLNS. The network is at CLNS Media. If you haven't yet and you're living under a rock, check out the new website, clnsmedia.com. It's phenomenal as well. Uh, coming out with a bunch of new Red Sox coverage as the season is a couple weeks away. Uh, and that being said, we're bringing in a big guest. Uh, Tim Neverett of WEI is on with us, and Jess is here as well in the Lauren this week. Uh, so we'll go right to Tim. Um, Tim, appreciate the time from sunny Florida, and uh, welcome aboard. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it is nice down here, not to rub it in for you guys are, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a good spring. They've only had one game interrupted by rain so far, and uh, other than that, the weather's uh, been perfect for baseball. No snow delays down there, which is good. <laughs> uh, worry yeah, about that I don't, and months. I don't think we'll ever have one. <laughs> no, I'd be amazed if you ever did. Even though if it ever snows down there, they don't know what to do with it, so it would probably shut down the city. It would, because no one knows how to drive in that stuff down here, so it would be terrible. But, uh, no, I I don't think we we have any threat of that anytime soon. But uh, it's supposed to rain Tuesday. I don't know how much, but uh, I saw 80% chance of rain Tuesday with the Red Sox host the Pirates. Uh, But I don't know. We'll see. That that can change by the day. But other than that, I mean, it's been great. It's been good for the players, really good for the players, especially the pitchers, you know, being able to get outside. You know, David Price had one – outing affected by the weather he was supposed to pitch over in minnesota last week um, at, at hammond stadium here in fort myers but because it was going to rain they expected it they had him go back to JetBlue park and, and pitch earlier in the day in a bullpen session just to stay on schedule mm-hmm. but that's really the only guy who's been affected by the weather um uh pitching wise eduardo nunez was supposed to play second base in a game when he was coming back, but there were because of that weather, they took him out as well. I just didn't want to take any chances. But um, again, the warmer weather is great for pitchers. They love it. They can get so loose, and it, especially at this time of the year, and especially the starters are trying to stretch out. It's uh, it's really good and conducive to pitching. So, Tim, I'm curious, you know, because obviously we know last year off the field wasn't great in the clubhouse. There were some situations we had to deal with, and this year they kind of seem to address them head on. But like. With two weeks to the season, how has the locker room been this year? You know, you bring in J.D. Martinez. You still have Hanley to deal with. Price is back. And um, how's the clubhouse been, and how's the team been overall togetherness so far down there? Yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. I think the the changes schedule-wise and the changes in atmosphere that, uh, you know, a new young manager has brought who's not that far removed from his playing days, 
uh, I think he was a teammate of Pedroia's at one point. But he, uh, you know, the, the, it's just different. Guys seem to like the schedule. The guys that I've talked with said they re- they're enjoying it. The pitchers really like it because, uh, you know, Alex is saying, okay, what do you need? Daniel Avangi is telling these guys, what do you need in terms of your schedule? What's going to be most comfortable for you? And instead of trying to do a cookie-cutter situation where everybody has to do the same thing, uh, you know, they've kind of lightened the load for the pitchers somewhat. So if they're pitching a bullpen that day or if they have a game that day, they're not, you know, doing pitchers' fielding practice in the morning. They, uh, they'll they be off of that. They'll be exempt from that. So um, on days they pitch, that's all they do is pitch. And I think many, many pitchers love that. You know, love the fact they don't have to go cover first base in the morning <laughs> in practice. And then, uh, you know, they can just concentrate on what they're doing that day, whether it's a side session, a bullpen, live BP, or they're pitching in a game. So uh, the players are pretty happy about things right now. And, uh, you know, players uh, have been, uh, you know, very approachable. And and uh, it's been a, it's been a pretty good spring in that regard so far. That's good to hear. Um, Tim, I'm curious what you think, just obviously with the season starting in a couple of weeks, uh, obviously there's a lot of, you know, factors that, that go into, you know, how well a team does this uh, each year. But um, who do you think is the biggest X factor so far for the season? And I want to hear what you have to say for both the pitching side and for the hitting. If you could pick maybe one person or, or even a group of people, with just X factors, who would you be picking? I think for the pitching side, that's easy, and that's Rick Porcello. He, he's got to be the guy. He he doesn't have to be a Cy Young Award winner like he did two years ago. He doesn't need to be that guy, but he certainly can't be the guy he was last year. Somewhere in the middle is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Rick Porcello is the biggest X factor on the pitching staff. You know what you're going to get with Sale. You have a really good idea what you're going to get with a healthy David Price. So I would think that for sure, Rick Porcello being that third starter in that keyhole in the rotation, he's got to be that X factor. Now, what you're going to pick up on the back end with four and five, Stephen Wright says he's going to be ready, and he might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Pomerantz had, had a good day earlier today, uh, and, and he is on track to continue. He pitched live BP. He's going to be taking another step. He seems to feel really good. And then Eduardo Rodriguez is on a five-day schedule also right now. So, you know, you've got three guys that are going to be in the back side there. One of them is going to the bullpen at some point, um, and, and I, it's not going to be Pomerantz. So I, I like what you see. But I think you're even going to see guys like uh, Brian Johnson uh, perhaps in that fifth spot in the first turn in the rotation uh, who's had a great spring. Uh, I, I think he's pretty good. But, but to answer your question on pitching, Rick Porcello has to be the X factor. And I think – as far as uh, the hitters go, um, the X factor this year, uh, really I think you have to look at the X-man, Xander Bogarts. Uh, you know, he, he did hit well in terms of average last year, 270-something, uh, but I think he's got to be the guy that's got to provide him a little bit more power, a little bit more consistency. Last year he had the injured hand after Jake Faria of the Rays hit him with a pitch early in the season. He never really recovered from it. But I think if Xander can come back and have a year like he had two years ago, uh, something like that, I think he could be a, a, a big factor. And uh, if, if there's a an XB, if you will, I would take Hanley Ramirez. He's got to drive. He can't leave as many base runners on as he did last year. Uh, I mean, runners in scoring position. His batting average was one of the lowest in baseball. 
And with two outs and runners in scoring position, it was in the top, or I should say the bottom three in, in all of baseball. He can't leave runners out there like he did last year. He's too good a hitter for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with what he did two years ago, I think last year was an anomaly. So as long as he's picking up his RBIs, I think the Red Sox will be in really good shape. Tim, I'm going to stick with Hanley because, I mean, you mentioned Xander Bogarts, and I just love him. Um, I, I think he's a huge piece of this team. But with Hanley, you know, there's ups and downs with him his whole career. Um, two things with them. Like, is he healthy enough to be a contributor? And honestly, what do they expect his role to be? Because, you know, he's playing first. He might DH a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. is this a full platoon with Hanley and Moreland? Or what, what are they expecting out of him this no. year? Uh, I don't see it right now as a full platoon at all. I, Hanley's the first baseman, and he's going to hit third. And certain nights, depending on the pitcher, depending on the ballpark, but mostly on the pitcher, uh, and I think a lot to do with where J.D. Martinez ends up in the lineup, then you'll see Mitch Moreland come in and play first base. But uh, And here's how the J.D. Martinez thing affects Hanley Ramirez. J.D.'s going to be the primary D.H., we think. Um, He is going to play right field on the road, not at Fenway Park. He's going to play left field at Fenway Park, which means Andrew Benintendi is either going to give Jackie Bradley a night off and move to center. Um, If he plays right field, Mookie Betts, we are told, is going to play center field uh, because they're not going to take his bat out of the lineup. So then, you know, Jackie would have the night off, and and you're going to see Mookie Betts in center field some this year, uh, which, you know, considering he's only been an outfielder for less than a handful of years is – now that's that's a, a different adjustment for him, but he's ready for it. Uh, but wherever JD ends up in the lineup can have a direct effect on whether or not Hanley's in or not. And Mitch Moreland's been hitting the ball well; got two home runs already this spring, and he's got five hits, and two of them are homers. So, uh, you know, as far as Hanley's concerned, he's going to play first a lot. He's going to DH a lot. Uh, so when JD's in the lineup in the field, I would expect Hanley to be a DH yep. and Moreland to play first. So it's it's going to be an interesting look in terms of how the lineup is configured every night. One thing that Alex Cora is interested in doing is giving these guys rest. So they're going to rotate, and they're going to be lineups you're going to look at and go, why is this guy off tonight? Yeah. <laughs> and some fans are some fans are, fans are going to come to Fenway some night hoping to see you know Benintendi and left or Jackie and center, and they're they're off. Yep. And they're going to go, ah, why are they off? Mm-hmm. But this is what they're trying to do to keep these guys fresh, and, to, and the ultimate goal is to win a World Series. Yep, and that's been the problem, right? They've been getting tired towards the end of the year, haven't figured out how to win come the playoff time, and, and you have to, you might sacrifice a little bit of playing time, and hopefully that they understand that. But um, does this does that affect any of these guys? Like, do they like especially Hanley? Honestly, in my opinion, because he's the one question mark for me. Does is he annoyed about maybe splitting time? Does he want to play more often, or oh, no. do you see that he's kind of buying in down there? <laughs> He is, and the thing is that when you get to know Hanley a little bit, I mean, he's different than he was, say, when he was with the Dodgers. Um, you know, it was a time in baseball when he didn't have the greatest reputation, but he's actually pretty happy-go-lucky, you know. He's smiling. He's talking to everybody. He's making bold predictions. He said he's going to have a 30-30 season. <laughs> he said Andrew Benintendi will be the MVP. I mean, he said we're, we're going to win the World Series. I mean, he's making these great predictions. He's just kind of fun to be around, and it's rubbed off on his teammates. Good. Uh, I was, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to him at his locker, and he, all he was, and Pedroia has a locker right near him, and all he was doing was, was uh, needling Petey for, you know, being, being the leader. 
being the team's leader, and, and they're, they're going back and forth. It was kind of funny, but he's actually, uh, you know, a pretty good guy to be around, and and that's good. When you have a happy Hanley, and he's hitting the baseball, and he's feeling healthy, and he is, and he's lost some weight, lost about 15 pounds, looks really good, and he's moving around pretty well in the field. So this is a different Hanley Ramirez this spring than we saw last season. That's great to hear. I want to I want to pick your brain, Tim, a little more about uh, JD because you mentioned him a little bit on the last question. Um, obviously, you know they sign him, and you know it's a big deal. And then that report came out that David Price said that he's going to get booed in Boston, and then they kind of took that report back. Not really sure what ended up happening with that. But my question for you is: Do you expect him to flourish in Boston? Is he going to make a big difference, or is he going to kind of you know? fall apart like so many players have the last several years here i don't know how much you know him at all or if you know him at all or what you know about him but i guess just from your perspective do you expect him to do well here i do expect him to do well i mean look this is the same team as last year but now you've added a guy with 45 home runs Mm -hmm. even if he hits only you say only even if he hits only 30 and has a, what would be considered a down year. That's 30 more home runs <laughs> in, in the lineup. So I, I don't see how he, how he can fail. And, I, and you know, uh, he said afterward, I, I don't know what the conversation was between David Price and J.D. Martinez, but J.D. said that didn't happen. He never <laughs> talked about getting booed or whatever. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't pretend to know what they talk about, but I do know that Martinez, I think, is going to do really, really well. You know, he's been a Red Sox fan since he's been a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think he knew this entire offseason he was going to end up in Boston. But, you know, to the free agency market and the uh, his agent, the dog and pony show that goes on between agent and team, uh, I mean, I give the Red Sox a ton of credit for waiting out Boris. Because remember, Boris said he was going to get a seven-year deal for $200 million for J.D. Martinez. So what did he get? He got a five-year deal with opt-outs after the second year for $110 million. So $80 million less than he promised his, his client and two years fewer than he promised his client. So I think that's a win for the Red Sox over Scott Boris. And, and some of the other Boris clients uh, did not do very well at all in spring training. I mean, not spring training, in uh, free agency. Um, so... You know, when you have an agency that had most of the top free agents who's trying to hold baseball hostage, you're going to have this delay in the free agent market. And that's what happened. And Martinez knew, I think he knew a long time ago he was coming to Boston. He just had to wait for it all to unfold. It finally did. And uh, once he got in, it didn't take him long to get back in the swing of things, literally. And, I mean, he, he's up there every day. You watch him in BP, the way he goes about his business. I mean, he is all business. Every swing in BP is, is videotaped and, and dissected, and he's very, very serious about his craft. And that's why he's become one of the best hitters in the game, one of the best producers in the game. And he's not one of those guys who's just going to go up there and pull the baseball for a home run. He uses all the fields. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been impressed about. I mean, I remember seeing him when he was with the Houston Astros when the Astros were still in the National League. And they ended up releasing him because that team was brutal. And he wasn't a good player then. But he got to be a really good player when he was with the Tigers. And they were pushing Ioannis Cespedes to go to the All-Star game so much so that they painted 
Seth put his name on the field saying, vote yo. And <laughs> I, I remember going there, seeing that. I'm like, why are you pushing Cespedes? J.D. Martinez is by far having a better year. This was, I don't know, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, well, they, they already agreed to go with the campaign to push Cespedes at the time. Um, and they like Cespedes so much, they sent him away. Yeah. But <laughs> J.D. Martinez had, had a great year. and uh, But he was a guy who was really deserving that time around. Does... Does everyone down there think he's going to be consistent? Because obviously, I think the biggest criticism of JD has been, you know, he's not a name; he's a late bloomer. Can he be, can he withstand what he did, you know, in Arizona? Because obviously, what he did down there was phenomenal. It was a freak down there. Yeah, the no, I think he can. Well, because he did it before. He's did it. He did it with Detroit, and I think that uh, you know he's figured some things out. And anytime you have a guy like that in the lineup, whoever hits in front of him or behind him can benefit, and and that's why they want Hanley third, Dick, because they believe that he can benefit. You know, again, this is the beginning of the season. By Memorial Day, things could be drastically different depending on what happens on the field. True, but this is the way they want to they want to start the season with Hanley hitting third, JD fourth, and uh, I like him as the fourth hitter right now. I mean, I think he's going to pick up a bunch of RBIs as a result. You know, I think Hanley's going to pick up a bunch of RBIs. He's he's uh, done okay so far in those situations with runners in scoring position this spring. Uh, and that's you know that that's really what you care about. You know the, the bottom line is with the Red Sox is how many like this year is how many runs they can score. Uh, they have pitching. They figured without Ortiz they could get Sale in here and then you know kind of shut down other teams and win the close games. Now yeah they won a lot of close games last year. They won 93 games for the second year in a row. That's really good. They won the division for the second year in a row. That's really good. However. This year, when you add the possibility of having much more offense and similar, if not better, pitching, uh, then uh, you know you got to like their chances. I think you know when you look, pin them up against the Yankees, the Yankees have a home run derby team. Hmm. You know, whereas whereas the Red Sox have, have a more diverse team with a lot more uh, weapons that can do a lot of different things. And I think that uh, that's going to be a great series this year. Those nineteen games with the Yankees are all going to be hotly contested. Tim, this may be a weird question, but I'm just, I just thought of it, and I'm curious what you think. Kind of the opposite of my first question about X-Factors. Uh, based on what you've seen so far, and obviously your you know, wide knowledge of, of what happened last year, is there anybody that you expect to have a down year this year? Pitcher or hitter, doesn't matter, or, or one of both. I just, is there anybody that you have your eye on that maybe will not be as good this year as people expect? Uh, that's a hard one because you just never know. <laughs> I mean, you, right. you can't, that stuff you can't predict. You, you know, you, you hope that people are, they kind of are at the mean, you know, they're, they, they are what they are. When you look at the numbers and you see these players, uh, over time, um, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. I mean, there, there are people who believe it or not, think that Mookie Betts had a down year last year. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, why? Because, because he wasn't the American league MVP. He was still really good. I mean, right. 2020 year, that's that's yeah. nothing to sneeze at. Um, no, I, I think that some guys will get better. I think a guy like Andrew Benintendi will get even better. Uh, and he looks physically different this year. He's bigger in the upper body, much bigger. Put on 20 pounds of muscle. He doesn't have that long Samson hair anymore. I'm he cut off 30 pounds um, of hair. <laughs> I think so. He cut off 30 pounds of hair, and there was 20 pounds of muscle underneath it. But he, um, you know, he, I, I don't know. But I, I, I don't think. I expect anybody to 
to have a down year. I think that everybody looks to uh, do what they do and at least improve a little bit each year. So you mentioned about like comparison to the Yankees and things like that. I think the biggest thing for me is what this Red Sox bullpen is going to look like this year, Tim. Um, your thoughts on Carson Smith and Tyler Thornburg, just because, you know, a lot of Red Sox fans, a little bit of Smith, no Thornburg really in vision. Um, are these guys fully healthy? How do they look throwing bullpens? And just kind of what have you seen from them so far with two weeks left to the yeah. season? Smith looks really good. Good. Carson Smith will be a late-inning guy for this team. He is looking like he did his last year with the Mariners. It looks really good. And I think that uh, Red Sox fans are going to like what they see out of him. He's got kind of this funky delivery. And it's I think it's really neat um, to see him come back this way. But – uh, as far as Tyler Thornburg, he had a good year two years ago with Milwaukee. Didn't pitch last year. Still hasn't pitched in a game here. He's still working his way back. He he won't be a factor right out of the gate anyway. I can't see him making the uh, making the team for opening day just because he's not on schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, again, there's other guys. You know, they're looking at other guys. I mean, Craig Kimbrell's back. He's going to be throwing a uh, live BP. And, uh, they expect him to jump right back in here soon. Uh, very soon, as a matter of fact. Uh, there might be a starter who has to go to the bullpen. It could be Stephen Wright. Um, you know, Brian Johnson, who's out of options, could end up in the Red Sox pen. Uh, so uh, I talked to Alex this morning. He told me that uh, two things are still up in the air, and the two things are the bullpen and the bench. And those things are definitely not settled at, at this point in time. Tim, a little more broad question. Um how do you see the Red Sox comparing to not just other teams in the AL East, but just the AL as a whole? Because obviously, like you said, they won the division the last two years. They've been one of the best teams record-wise in the AL. So now that they have even more you know, horsepower on offense and a really good pitching staff, how do you think they're going to compare to other teams? Well, I think they're going to be really good. I mean, that's <laughs> – you know, they didn't go out and spend all that money the last couple of years for nothing. Uh, but I think they're going to be really good. And, and the big question in baseball is, you know, will they stay healthy? And that's any team. Every team asks that same question every single day. You know, how can we stay healthy? And and the Red Sox are no different. So if you say all things equal and they're healthy, they're really, really good. They're one of the best teams in baseball, certainly one of the best teams in the American League. And, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, Red Sox fans – sometimes are spoiled and I've talked to a number of folks who go ah we don't have enough and we we're not that good and this guy's not that good and 20 I had a guy the other day tell me a 2020 season means nothing I said excuse me really I didn't know that (laughs) you know you got Red Sox are the first team by the way in over 100 years of Major League Baseball to have two players with 20 home run 20 stolen base seasons under the age of 25 Benintendi and Betts did it last year that's a big deal. And then someone tried to tell me that Ben Attendee was, was overrated. And I said, well, he hit 271. He had 90 RBIs as a rookie. Is that any good? Just, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> I mean, that's a career for some guys, right? I mean, that's amazing. So, you know, you've got people who have, because of the three recent World Series, are a little bit spoiled. But you have to look around what baseball has uh, with the other 29 teams. And there are some teams that just cannot – compete with what Boston has. Um, you know, we were in Bradenton, Florida today, and some of the Pittsburgh Pirates people were saying, 
my gosh, you have a good team. We could never put that kind of team on the field. And that's true. Uh, a lot of the medium to small market teams can't. Yep. So, I mean, people on baseball recognize what the Red Sox have. And, you know, it's my hope that the Red Sox people realize how fortunate they are to have owners so committed to winning and are willing to do what they have to do and go over the luxury tax and, and uh, get the best players they can get in here. Tim, I know we talked a little bit about um, Alex Cora at the beginning. Um, obviously, that's one of the biggest changes from last year. This year is a different manager, and I know different people have different thoughts on on Farrell and how he did and how much they liked him and all that. And you don't even necessarily need to get into that, but I'm just curious how big of a difference the manager change is going to make on this team this year. Well, it still remains to be seen, but I think to this point in time, it's made a difference in the way that you know, these guys are, are doing things in Florida. They're, they're feeling a lot better about stuff. They're, they're all smiles. It's kind of a loose clubhouse right now. Uh, the new coaching staff is, uh, you know, they're, they're very player friendly. In other words, you know, what do you guys need? All right, we'll get that. Mm-hmm. You know, what, do you, what do you think's best for your schedule? All right, we'll, we'll accommodate you. You know what I mean? So these guys are professionals. They know what they need, and, and they, walk, they work hard at, at their own pace. So it's a, it's a nice change. You know, as far as John Farrell goes, I mean, there's a guy who's the ultimate professional. I think that uh, it's not common to see a manager who's won a World Series in recent years and then win back-to-back division titles and be sent packing. I, just, I, I mean... That that to me is highly unusual, but you know he's now with the Cincinnati Reds and scouting department, and and he'll be back in baseball. Well, he's back in baseball, but he'll be back in uniform at some point in time in the not too distant future. I'm pretty confident not. Um, but you know, if you're the manager of the Boston Red Sox, no matter if your name's John Farrell, Alex Cora, or Joe Schmo, you're the most highly criticized person in the New England States on a daily basis. It just goes with the territory. Yep. It does. Mm-hmm. And all any manager who puts that uniform on sits in that seat knows it. So that's just, you know, it's part of the job. When you accept the job as manager of the Red Sox, you know that there are going to be hundreds of thousands of people around New England, around the country who are going to second guess your every move. And why did he do that? Why did he do this? We're on the plane with them, we're in the hotel with them, we're in the clubhouse with them, and they make decisions that, that, you know, sometimes we don't know how they come to these decisions. It's based on the information they have at their fingertips in the dugout. Matchups and, you know, past history and different things like that. Um, And and they've made decisions, and we find out after the fact, we go back and say, hey, why'd you do it this way? And okay. And it's something that we didn't have access to or we never considered. And even though we're there every day, we don't even know. Mm-hmm. But they know that it's all educated, it's all uh, you know calculated, and they don't make moves just because they say, "Oh, this might be fun to try." <laughs> they make moves because it's the best possible move percentage wise to make in a game. John did that a lot. And I'm sure Alex is going to do that too. and and uh, anything about Alex so far is, He's very open and honest about, uh, you know, things they're thinking right now, things they're going to try. He told me today that he was thinking of having uh, Blake Swihart play four positions in a game pretty soon. But uh, he didn't know if he wanted to do that to the poor guy. 
I mean, he you know, wow. probably wouldn't have let that secret out, but Alex does, and that's kind of refreshing. Uh, that is very refreshing coming from me, and I'm I, not a fan of John Farrell, so that's very nice to hear him actually be open about that. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question, Tim. We'll get you out of here. Um, you mentioned him, Blake Swihart. Um, does he make this roster? What do you see his role being with this team? Does he have any chance of catching? I think he does. Uh, I think he does make it. Uh, they're giving him every opportunity. They played third base today. Uh, he's played in the outfield. Played some first base. Uh, they've worked him out at multiple positions on the backfields at uh, JetBlue Park Complex. I do think that uh, because of his versatility, because he can hit from both sides of the plate, and especially because he can catch, that uh, there is a very good chance he makes this roster as a bench player um, heading into Tampa for opening day on the 29th. I think that he has, you know, won himself a job. He's performed well enough. I mean, you can't ask much more from the guy. Uh, he's got more hits than anybody with Red Sox here in spring trading. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, he's got more extra base hits and uh, at least tied for the most number of extra base hits in Major League Baseball in both Florida and Arizona so far. He's done a good job, and, and he told me he's feeling healthier than he's felt in years. So uh, that's been a, a big difference for him. There's a lot of teams that will probably have an interest in him here at the end of spring training, but you know, being out of options, Red Sox either have to keep him or move him. But I, I think right now they're leaning toward keeping him, and I think he makes this team as a bench player. All right, we'll leave it there. Um, I hope he does. I, I think he's earned a spot here. He's battled back, especially because he had that freak injury. Um, well, it wasn't a freak injury, but he got screwed by getting hurt in the outfield. He had a left field job, and then Ben Attendee took it from him. So um, kind, kind of bad luck in that situation. Tim, uh, we appreciate the time. Again, Tim Never at WEI. You hear him all the time on the radio, voice the Red Sox. Uh, we appreciate it, um, and we look forward to potentially having you on down the road. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time very much. Yeah, enjoy the, thanks, enjoy the weather until you come home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bottle it up, that's for sure. Yeah, bring it home. Bring it back. But, <laughs> bring it yeah. Up. yeah, bring it back. Yeah. With it. I'm done with the snow. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you feel. Yeah. All right. Thanks, All right, Tim. Well, appreciate thank it. you very much. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate okay. it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. Tim Neverett, WEI, uh, brought to you by, of course, our good friends at DraftKings. Hoops is, is a couple weeks away from going to the playoffs. You can still play Daily Fantasy. Uh, and don't forget, you can win huge cash prizes every night playing One Day Fantasy at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play from public contests, huge cash prizes, and private contests as well beginner and casual contest they got everything and of course you can obviously draft every single day and that's arguably the best part of fantasy basketball and of course don't forget about winning the cash ask dan from st louis or jeremy from austin they both turned a three dollar entry into a thousand bucks huge cash prizes and those bragging weights of course wait only at draftkings.com Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play free with your free first deposit for a share of ten grand in total prizes. Don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup and go and seriously cash in tonight. Don't forget it. CLNS is the code only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. You can check out DraftKings.com for details. Huge shout to Tim Neverett of WEI working alongside Joe Castiglione. Uh, both legends in most of Red Sox Nation's eyes because they're just phenomenal at what they do. Uh, good insight from from uh, Timmy uh, Neverett. Yeah, love it. Really get, good insight. Get, getting some things it. that we don't normally get to read uh, because a lot of beat writers don't like to re- publish some things that happen are talked about behind the scenes. Uh, Tim was right there. Open up by Alex Cora, Blake Swihart playing four positions. Um, overall, let, give us a little insight of what's going on. 
I was going to say as much as as much as he was telling us that Alex Cora is refreshing by what he's saying. This was refreshing to hear from his <laughs> perspective too. And I want to say too, honestly, I mean, I listened to a lot of games on the radio, and you know, it was Joe and Dave for a long time. Yeah. You know, for for seven years after Tribbiano left, and uh, I mean, whenever you bring in someone new, you know, after it's been the same two people for a long time, you know, people are going to be watching closely to see how that new person fills in, and, and honestly. Tim was has been great. I really I really enjoy listening to the two of them, and I mean Joe's been my one of my favorite announcers in any sport for a long time because yep. he's just got the greatest voice and ever. And Tim just fit in seamlessly with him, and he's just you know he also has a great voice. They're just a great duo, so he's done an excellent job. So I'm really glad they got him, and I'm glad we were able to have him on the show because he does a great job at his job. <laughs> yeah, and before we get out of here, because obviously that, that was no need to talk after fall after that. But I think biggest takeaway for me is that two weeks before the season starts and things are still up in the air. And I like to hear that because, you know, I like a lot of things in the past, especially with John Farrell, was a lot of things were pretty predetermined. He was pretty set with his guys. He kind of managed like Francona where – and I don't not, – not a bash on Francona because he's a much better manager than John Farrell ever will be. But you stick to your guns and then you do that, whereas Core is t- tampering with what you got here. He's tweaking everything around, and that's something John Farrell was never willing to do. I'll be interested to see how Cora responds to negativity because you know it's going to happen. I mean, everybody's oh, excited now. It's obviously. all sunshine and daisies you know? right now. <laughs> exactly. But if something happens, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be perfect and everybody will love him and nothing will ever happen. But that never yeah. happens in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, Terry yeah. Francona was the best manager ever and he still, he got endless got crap as well. Nick so, yeah. And everyone just crapped all over him on the way out, which was terrible and I hated that and I still hate it. But, um,. I'm interested to see how he responds when things start going downhill and when the negativity starts. See how he responds to that. See if he stays open and see if people still like him. You know, several months down the line. But hearing, him I think they will. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just, I'm I'm fascinated to see what happens in well, that situation. I think the way he handles negativity is simple. He, it's basically how he's been open with everything down there behind the scenes and open with everything he's been saying. He's going to handle it head on. He's not going to be well. You know. David Price's curveball had a little bit of movement on it. It moved very well. It was 12 to 6. You just got to work on his arm slot. Like, it's not going to be a John Farrell workaround. It's going to be, look, we didn't play well. Like, we know we need to be better. And that's he's going to tackle all that stuff head on because you've already seen it. He's All of the time he's talked to the media, whether it be through written coverage or just straight up on live audio or video, mm-hmm. he's been open about everything. Right. So and that's the best way to handle negativity, and that's and that's all positive yeah. stuff he's talking about. <laughs> so right. I, and I, and even John Farrell wouldn't go there. He's like, yeah, well, we're working hard in spring training, blah blah blah. Yeah, go have fun scouting baseball. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna win here in Boston without you, <laughs> yeah, Johnny, that's, Johnny that's Farrell. An, that's that's an interesting move from yeah. the manager of the Red Sox to, to a, a scout. scout with the Reds because no one else it's, wanted him. Hence, why he's not here. Oh, I man. Know. All right, one more shout, Tim Neverett, W E I at Tim Neverett. I do want to say. Before we leave. On Twitter. Sorry. Say his Twitter handle. At Tim Never. It's, it's, it's really simple. It's at Tim Never. You can't really mess it up. <laughs> N-E-V-E-R-E-T-T. That is correct. For the spelling. Yes. Um, I just, I was, before we go, I was just interested by his X factors. Rick Porcello and Xander Bogarts. And I love it because, you know, they were both so good two years ago and mm-hmm. hugely important to the team. And last year they were, you know, Bogarts was average. Porcello was less than average, I would say. So I agree. You know, it's two guys that maybe people aren't thinking about because you're thinking of sale, price, and, you know, J.D. Martinez, Handler Ramirez, <laughs> Mookie Betts, all those guys. But Porcello and Bogarts are, are super important to this team. So I like that answer. And I'm, you know, I, I, I mean, I've been on the Porcello bandwagon since he came here. If he has a good year, that's huge. Not so even a I great, like Not even a great year. Like you said, just a good year. year. Because yeah. 
Look, just give us minutes. He didn't give us the cookie easy David Price answer. He said Rick Porcello. Yeah. I think it's more Rick Porcello. I would have easily thought David Price too. Um, but he's expecting the way they're talking and the way Neverett was talking. It's he's healthy. He's ready to go, and and he's. He looks fine, and look, Cora's done it right. He's let Sale and Price take their time. They only made, what, one or two starts combined? Maybe three in spring training? Um, right. It, it's the way it needs to be, because you know what you're getting out of Chris Sale. It's just getting him some arm reps to get his arm back in shape. But you're gonna, it's going to be good, and I think Cora can handle it, and um, I think you got a lot of good insight from Tim. So definitely appreciate him hopping on. Uh, don't forget to follow um, everything and anything CLS Media, of course, um, at Red Sox CLNS is the, the new handle for the coverage if you haven't checked that out yet. A lot of roundtables coming out. This show, you get a lot of news feeds once the season gets going in a couple weeks. And, of course, our boy uh, uh, Mike Petrali will be on, on the scene as well, as far as I know. So a lot of Red Sox coverage coming. Don't forget, at CLNS Media is the network, clnsmedia.com, the new website. Check it out as well. Of course, the mobile podcast app. Um, we'll get out of here for the week. We'll be back next week. Another guest on next week. I'm not going to tell you who. We'll, we'll promote it. We'll figure it out. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see there. But... Again, one more shout. Tim Neverett hopping on with us for Jess Thomas. No Lauren this week. I am Jared Scally. That has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. We'll, uh, we'll check in next week.